Hello, and welcome to Emerging Grower, a podcast where we'll focus on bringing growers and ag tech professionals together to help accelerate conversations between the two fields in the agriculture industry. This podcast is energized by Grand Farm, which is enabling technology to feed the world by facilitating collaboration on innovations solving some of the world's largest challenges in agriculture technology. My name is Cameron McNabb, and I'm a member of the Grand Farm team who is helping facilitate this podcast. Joining us in this month's episode, we have Jake Jornstead and Paul McCory discussing software technology in agriculture. Jake is the co-founder and CEO of Bushel, an independently owned and operated software company, which has powered 1,200 plus grain facilities across the U.S. and Canada with real-time business information for their producers. Paul is a student at NDSU studying agriculture economics. He grew up on a seventh generation family farm overlooking the Missouri River. They grew mainly corn, soybeans, and sunflowers along with some feed crops. We hope you enjoy Jake and Paul's conversation and you also are able to gain valuable insight in the world of agriculture. All right, hey everybody, my name is Jake Jornstead. I am the co-founder and CEO at Bushel. We're a software company based in Fargo, North Dakota here and I grew up in Rolla. Uh, family farms on both sides of my family. Um, Grandpa Ken on the Jornstead side, uh, Cirrus Farm, uh, Cirrus, North Dakota, small family homestead actually, or Norwegian family settled there. Um, and so kind of a hobby farm. And then on my my mom's side, uh, cattle and row crops uh, in West Oak, North Dakota with the Ladone family. So that's a little background on me. Uh, we've been building Bushel since 2017 when we launched this product to the egg industry. Uh, grain companies, co-ops, ethanol plants, those are our customers and the farmers are our end user. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from today in this conversation. And we have our friend Paul here. I'm going to have him share a little background on himself, his farm, what he's up to in school, and we'll jump in. Yeah, thanks, Jake. So like you said, I'm Paul McCrory. I grew up in Linton, North Dakota, just south of Bismarck, about an hour. Um, I was grew I grew up on a farm just overlooking the Missouri River. There we uh, have Red Angus cattle as well as Corn, soybeans, and sunflowers are pretty much our main row crops. We have a little wheat as well, and we do some feed crops to keep the cattle going throughout the winter. Um, I got one older brother. He's two years older. He moved back to the farm. He's married, has one kid. Dad's still heavily involved in the farm, and Grandpa's on the farm as well. We've been there for seven generations, so sticking around a while, trying to keep the family farm going. Um, currently, I'm at my third year here at NDSU. Um, my major is agriculture economics. Um, looking to hopefully get into grad school as well, looking into agribusiness and applied economics with something probably in the commodity trading field. Cool. Thanks for the background. So back to the family farm real quick before we jump into what you're doing at school with Dr. Wilson and some others that we probably know. Uh, what what uh, was it? A, was it a, a farmstead? Was it the homestead farm? Was it uh, how how the farm start? Do you know the story? Seven generations must have been, you know, you guys must have inherited, uh, moved in as a homestead situation probably yeah so i think uh that first generation that came over they actually settled in a place called winona uh that'd be probably about 15 to 20 miles south of where we're currently at okay and uh i know they did uh some trading with the indians because we're right there's a, a reservation across yep. across the river there so when it freeze they did some trading there had some good river bottom ground there that we actually still farm a little bit today and then i think uh generation after that moved up to where we're currently at and they would have been on the river bottom and then when they flooded the missouri river and made it mm -hmm. lake oahe 
my grandpa actually moved on top of the hill just to get away from the water. I think they actually took away maybe 700 acres or something, paid him for it. So sure. he moved on top of the hill, got a little more land there, and that's where our farm currently sits. So Cool. Lots of stories in North Dakota of homestead farms. So yeah, definitely. It's always it's fun to understand. So tell us a little bit maybe about your grandpa first and then maybe what your dad's role is on the farm now. Start with your grandpa, though. Okay. Yeah. So Grandpa McCrory, Glenn's his first name. Uh, he grew up, he definitely liked the cattle a little bit more. Uh, we have some pretty good pasture land along the river there. You can always get water pretty easy and farming's maybe not quite as good right around our farm just because uh, the land's a little bit rougher. So he grew up a little bit more involved with the cattle. Uh, he was always involved in like the water commission board too in Linton. He stayed pretty involved with that just because being along the river there, deal a lot with the Corps of Engineers and things like that. And then uh, I think my dad, he would have went to NDSU as well. And then when he came back, he slowly started taking over, started growing the farm, uh, pretty much grow up. Uh, you can see our house from theirs, same place. He knew it pretty yeah. well. And he started, he got a little more into the farming side. So we still have those cattle, like I mentioned before, but I'd say my dad's a little more focused on the grain and things like that. Um, and then my brother just coming back recently, he always uh, grew up liking the cattle a little bit more from my grandpa. He always encouraged that. We got our little herd started when we were in like middle school, high school. So my brother from there kind of grew it and he's been a little bit more in charge of that. It's been a little easier for him to take over. We built a lot of fence growing up. So we got some blood, sweat and tears there, but I know he's, he's always like that. And now he's getting a little more involved since he's back full time with the uh, mm -hmm. crop operations. So so a growing operation, certainly. Your dad probably the one that grew it maybe the most in the row crop side. Yep. Pretty decent cattle uh, operation as well. Your brother's kind of in charge next, probably, as you're still finishing school out uh -huh. here at NSU. So tell us um, a little bit about how, you know, are you spending time, you know, spring and fall? Are you going back weekends? What, what's your normal life kind of living in Fargo out here, but being on the farm when you can? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'd say after I graduated high school, I was definitely that uh, summer I was real involved, didn't have much for sports or anything. So that would have been one of the times where I got to know the operation the best, anywhere from planting, helping dad spray, anything like that. And then coming to college, I didn't go back a whole lot just because I knew I wanted to be involved as much as I could in high school, try and hang out as much as I could up here. would go back a couple weekends, definitely during harvest. And I went back a little bit early to help plant as much as I could. Dad would kind of keep the planter full of seed, fertilizer, anything like that. And, you know, I could maybe stay up a little bit later than him. So I would try to stay up as late as I could and keep everything going. And then after my freshman year, I went back and we actually were able uh, to get some irrigation. And that was the summer that we had droughts. So it was yeah. pretty essential. Like you could tell, I think before the 4th of July, the corn along the outside, it was looking just as good as the irrigation. And after the 4th of July, pretty went much downhill. just snapped. Yeah. yeah. And I think outside the irrigation, my dad wouldn't say we got more than 10 bushels and inside we got 200. So <laughs> Impressive. And it was good timing. The, that was the first year you had put irrigation on the operation, right? Uh, yeah. So was, we were actually given the opportunity to rent the land that the irrigation was on. Okay. So you learned how before. important that was going to be during the drought. Now this year, you're okay, right? It's okay yeah. West? Yeah. Yeah. We actually had some sunflowers on there. And we didn't have to use it too much for those. So okay. it's it's definitely some older equipment that we don't want to use too much. But yeah, other than that, we haven't uh, got too involved in anything else. We just started potatoes a little bit this year, trading some land with the Cavendish farms. Okay. So first uh, year getting into that. Uh, like fresh fresh potatoes or are we talking processed stuff? Uh, Yeah, so it's all fresh potatoes. <laughs> they pretty much just uh, swap land with us. So they take the pivots that we have yep. and we do some because of – 
their rotation. They don't want to deal with the corner or anything. They're pretty much just focused on the potatoes. So that's kind of the stuff we got into this year. So speaking of equipment, we have to ask the question, what color is the farm operations equipment? Yeah, we got John Deere out of our okay. farm. So All right, green stuff all <laughs> That's day. right. <laughs> Artie will be proud of you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, next question is a bushel question. Who do you sell to? Uh, Red Trail Energy is where most of our corn goes to. And then Lighthouse and the other stuff? Yep. Uh, Lighthouse Commodities, right? Out of Bismarck helps you guys out? Yep, that's right. Look at that. Two bushel customers were winning today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about technology. You're going to be for sure the youngest person you know, on the farm when you're out there and maybe if you run it in the future uh, with your brother. Um, your brother's a couple years older than you, right? Yep. He's two years older. So you, you're t- you and I were talking before starting here uh, on the, on the uh, conversation. I think you know, technology is both a battle and also you know, a benefit. Uh-huh. Where are you seeing, you know, when you're just out there, even this fall or something, where are you seeing the benefits? And then maybe talk a little bit about where the challenges are in your yeah. mind. And if yeah. it's whether it's for you or maybe even talk about maybe how your dad views it. Certainly grandpa probably likes to ignore that if he can at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely interesting to see that dynamics there and who accepts it more and who doesn't. And I've actually said my grandpa, is, he's been pretty open. He's kind of been always really open-minded to it. So this summer, we actually got an app for him to run the irrigation on his phone. All right. And All right. He, he's been right. pretty excited, so he can he go up there. He that. He doesn't have to leave his chair to see what's going on. That's right. Yeah, he can take a nap and then wake up and check the pivots. It works pretty <laughs> good. Call call Jack if there's ever something broke down, yell at him uh, to get his butt up that there. That was a but... two-hour job before, checking pivots probably. You know, you have to go out and back again and whatever else. And now you can sit there and at least see what's going on. And get yeah, it. yeah. So we've been trying to upgrade the older technology there. Some are run on hydraulics, some electric and everything like that. So the first year when I ran it, we were just starting to put those systems on so I could see them from my phone. But mm-hmm. we were pretty much having to go up there and do everything by hand, where now we're starting to get it so we can turn them each and every way. It helps a lot for harvest too. You don't have to get out of the machine to turn it one way or the other. So it Who, saves a little time there. Who's out there plugging stuff in? Is it you and your brother? Is it your dad going out there and getting the technology set up? Do you have service providers coming out and doing it? Who's setting up? Like you got the app set up for your grandfather, but that takes uh, technology on the on the pivot too. Uh-huh. What, what, how do you guys do that? So, yeah. So I'd say whenever we have any technology that we want to upgrade or anything, we'd always have the provider come out and put it on okay. for us. So I know like uh, when our Renicky system was updating, we'd always call them and have them put it on for us because we didn't really have too much experience with anything like that before. Sure. So we definitely always call them. Like I know I had the guys from Oaks doing the irrigation system for us uh, when I was back there and I was contacting them a lot just because my dad didn't know a whole lot with the uh, technology as well. So I was definitely learning as much as I could and trying to relay that, relay that back to my dad and my brother. It was definitely beneficial for them this summer because they were running it themselves. So Yeah. So for us technology people, you know, listening in, what, you know, is it practical or sustainable that you've got to have the the provider, the service provider, the facility, the guys building the equipment coming out and doing this? Or do you see a day where either it's easy enough for your team, just you and your dad and your brothers to do it yourself? Or, or do you feel like you're going to put the IT hat on more often than not? What's your opinion on where it's going? Do you kind of expect that service now that you buy the equipment or what, what's your opinion on that? Um, I would definitely say it's always going to, there's always going to need to be someone who's heavily involved in that technology. Cause I know on the farm, like my dad, he's real busy, maybe even day to day stuff, like telling the hired man that he needs to go pick up some bales or somewhere or breakdowns. And for him to learn all that, or even my brother can definitely be challenging. So I'd say we'd either have the provider come out for each specific, um, 
idea, like either with, with the tractors or anything like that, or if it's mm -hmm. with the irrigation, but we could also maybe hire someone who'd specialize in an area like that. But I know for my brother and my dad to learn it all, it would be a lot, I think. Yeah, that's fair. So, so how old are you, Paul? I'm 21, right. just in my third year at college. And I'm, you. and I'm 32. So we're both, well, I'm a millennial. I don't even know what you are. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm not even Gen, sure. What Gen, I am. Gen Y? Yeah, Gen, Gen something Z? like that. Gen, Gen Z. Z, that's right. All right. Gen Z, I'm, I'm an older, mid, mid, middle millennials where uh -huh. I'm at. So, okay. So both of us have this view. I, I, you know, the fact that you still think it's going to kind of be on the providers to um, be, be heavily involved in making sure the technology is out there and working is important because I think a lot of people think, hey, you know, deploy an app and they'll, everybody will use it. But when it comes to equipment and hardware and setups on the farm, it's not so simple. Yep. How's connectivity out west? Do you guys, you know, when you're out in the tractor, you do you have network? Can you stream Netflix on the iPad still or do you guys got net connectivity issues? Um, I would definitely say service has been a little bit of a problem and that's definitely limited how much technology we can use. I know we've been trying to use like iPads and stuff to collect all the data when we're harvesting or planting, anything yep. like that, just because if that if you could get that data, it would help a lot. But I know there's been times where we've maybe just been at the end of the field messing with the iPad and dad's out there like, just go like we don't have time for that. So I know definitely one thing is like getting better service. That would be one thing that helps. But I assume cell cell network would be better would be what you need help with. You don't have Wi-Fi probably broad enough on the farm to make it work for you. I'm yeah, that's running. correct. Cell service would definitely be one thing. And then I'd say there's always maybe just some technical difficulties where we wouldn't know what to do. Sure. And we don't want to take the time to call the provider. We just want to shut it off and get planting. Shut it off, <laughs> unplug it and get in the tractor. That's and go right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe here's this is a question from me being a technology guy in the space and trying to be helpful. What what do you see, like what opinions do you think we need to hear in the ag tech space? People who are building software for farmers, um, people who are building these equipment that need to be hooked up into some technology uh -huh. platform. What do we got to hear that would be helpful? Like what, what could change for you or what's what's your strong opinions in this area? Well, I know one thing for us, like there's always been a lot of yield data collection and everything like that. Everyone wants us to get that into John Deere, or whoever we bought the seed from, they're always wanting to collect that. And I know one thing we've maybe had problems on our farm is like maybe the combine isn't even calibrated right or something like that going into the field. So where the data is coming from maybe isn't the most accurate. So then our data really isn't too relevant. Yeah. And I know that's one thing, just keeping it real simple for us because we don't want to spend that extra time to get all that stuff ready when we're at the end of the field. Cause spring this summer or this, this spring, it was a good example on where we didn't have much time. Everything was real wet. We couldn't get into the field a couple of weeks later than we wanted. So once we were out there, there was no time to mess with anything. I know our liquid fertilizer broke on one planter. We just kept going because we had to get that seed in the ground to make sure it wasn't too late. So I know keeping yeah. everything simple and making sure it's easy for us to use because we just don't want to spend any extra time on stuff like that. Yeah. So reliability, uptime, all that matters a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, good thing that green tractors make it a little easier. <laughs> yeah, it uh, helps a lot. <laughs> what, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the financial side. So um, crop marketing, maybe start there. Who who picks up who picks up the phone and and sells the crop? Is your dad still running that show, or is your brother doing it? Yeah, I would say it's been mostly my dad. So the way I think we've done it in the past is uh, we've pretty much all had kind of our own separate stuff. So my yeah, brother, how do you break it down? Tell us how you break it down. Who's who's doing what? 
Yep. So right now, I'd say for the cattle, I guess not commodities, but cattle, I think yeah. would be about half and half. My Between brother and my brother. dad. Okay, your brother and your dad. Okay. And my and gran- your brother is more passionate about it maybe than your dad is. It seems. I would say yeah, that's true. Just and your grandpa made your dad do all the hard stuff. Or <laughs> yep, I would agree with that as well. Yeah, yeah, the cattle is never fun out there fencing in 100 degree heat. No one, no one likes cows too At much. At least when you're you growing that. corn, you don't have to be out in January in the field. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I'd say the cattle is about half and half, and grandpa still has a couple too. So my dad, I'd say they talk about it a lot on what they plan to do with marketing, but in the end, it's always a decision on whoever owns the head. Okay. So yep. yep. At I'm least not, on the cattle side. Yep. Yep. And then when it comes to commodities, I know, like I said before, we do a lot of stuff through Lighthouse. So my dad would always keep us in the loop on what he plans on doing. But in the end, my brother, I know he's always making his own decisions. He's texting me a lot, trying to learn what I'm hearing in class, stuff from yeah, like yeah. Bill Wilson, who's well known in the industry for marketing grain. So I know they talk a lot, but in the end, I know they always make their own decisions. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think just for those who are listening in, Lighthouse Commodities is kind of a unique player because they you know, aggregate and buy crop from multiple farms and have it delivered uh, into other facilities. They don't actually own the elevator itself. They, yep. they're, they're a third party, um, we call roving grain buyer, maybe you might call it. Okay. Um, but they probably are advising your dad on what they think about for, for how they should market the grain, probably if he's listening to them. It's going better than in, in people who are just making it up on their own or uh-huh. end up in the fall cash price only. That's the biggest thing we hear in, in the ag tech space. Everybody seems to think, I would say this, everybody in ag tech seems to think we're all better crop marketers than farmers because we yep. look at the history and we go, wow, farmers sell their crop at the worst price every year, which is typically <laughs> in the fall. Yeah. Once in a while they get lucky and that's the best time of the year, but most of the time it's not. But I don't think it's that simple. So you know, in your case of your, your family, you know, working up with Lighthouse, who's given them good, probably good advice throughout the year. That's, that makes some sense. Yeah. And I know it always helps that they're always willing to line up the trucking. And since it is yeah, logistics, right? It's yeah. Important. And that's a big part of it too, just because we are, we're trying to haul our grain like 120 miles to Red Trail. And if they just take a little commission off that, we're willing to pay that just because lining up that stuff is a big headache. And one yeah. thing that my dad can just pay a little bit for and know that he doesn't have that on his plate. And it's going to an ethanol facility, so good good price probably, at least from a basis standpoint. Yep, yep. And that's pretty much been the reason that we've always gone there. We've always saw a little bit better basis and we can get a little better return there. So Yeah, the thing that we always remind ourselves in this space, though, is got to remember how much futures price moves every year. And, uh-huh. the, you know, the last 10 years is, can be some pretty big swings. That's right, um, yeah. So it's, you know, the basis sometimes matters, sometimes it doesn't. So on the, on the logistics side, so... How many trucks do you guys have? Uh, right now, we probably have four working trucks. Maybe okay. one that's always at the shop. Yeah, is it, <laughs> it's probably not a Cummins. <laughs> nope, definitely not. Right. Automatics. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. So um, thinking about the challenge of logistics, um, you know, in this case, you know, Lighthouse is probably, you're not even using your trucks. They're sending trucks to that's you. That's right, yep. Um, running that. Um, what's your view on this idea of autonomous trucking? How many, do you drive truck in the fall typically? or have you? I have before, yeah. yep, yep. So what's your view on... Um, you know, one of the things, you know, Emerging Prairie is working on the Grand Farm is autonomous trucking. So uh-huh. the idea that even if it's a lead follow where you're driving one truck and then the other truck's completely driverless and you've got ability to bring two loads of grain, just simply that's yep. doubling the capacity. But imagine that truck that maybe even Lighthouse worked with you on picks up that grain with nobody in it on the side of the field and heads to the facility. I mean, do you see that sooner, later? Is it just crazy? What's your opinion on that? I mean, you're you're young enough to believe in technology once in a while, so let's yeah, your view. Yeah, definitely. I know uh, I could definitely see that where maybe Lighthouse would bring their trucks because uh, 
we have some bins in town that are on a pretty good road. We got a lot of space there. We got some bigger augers. To Maybe picking trucks. up from the bin a lot of times, not yeah. on the field. Yep. It's yeah. a little bit less problematic. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I definitely definitely think it'd be a long time before anything in the field just because there's that's always tricky. challenges. You got to be there right when the combine's there, ready to load out right. So, <laughs> that's or, right. Or that's right. Cars, so. But no, I definitely could see it working with uh, longer hauls like that because I did yeah, say- Yeah, you're going 100 miles. I mean, yep. 120 miles is a long haul in agriculture if you're uh-huh. not familiar I mean, that's a, that's a good haul. 20 miles seems like a lot for some people. So 120 is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely say that would be an option in the future. I know I've even heard of it a little bit in class. They've been talking about trying to get some of those autonomous trucks going. So I definitely think that could be a potential. I'm not sure how it would work with uh, liability and stuff like that if it crashes into someone. But I know that definitely that's kind of where things are going. Like maybe even autonomous grain carts in the field going mm-hmm. from truck to combine or anything like that. And I definitely think that'd be helpful as less and less people know how to use all this technology in agriculture. Yeah. We're definitely going to need those guys that can do it the best to spread out their workload. Uber for trucking. We're going to figure this out someday. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. What, so um, my farm tech friends would be really upset if I didn't ask this question. What do you guys use for your accounting software? Do you know? Do you know what your dad does or your brother does for financials? Are you doing uh, QuickBooks online? Are you doing spreadsheets? And you've seen a lot of spreadsheets. Yeah. So I would say my mom and dad actually both were accountants coming out of college. That helps. Yeah. And my mom runs an accounting probably. Yeah. My mom actually runs an accounting firm in Linton there. Okay. And does she do the farm financials as well? She does. Yep. Have you ever had to drop off scale tickets for and contract information or um, maybe send a picture, but not too often. Okay. Well, talk to her about the Bushel app, make sure she can get all that stuff on her own. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Okay. How about Paul questions to you uh, coming my way? What are you, what are you thinking about? You don't have to, you know, whatever you're thinking about, what, what would be, what do you want to ask from a guy like me who's supposed to be building valuable tools for farmers? Uh-huh. Yeah. So maybe one thing, like how did you guys come about the bushel app? I guess. Well, that's a, that's a relatively simple answer. My, my co-founder Ryan, you know, he grew up on the farm every day. You know, I grew uh-huh. up near farms, working okay. on my family's farm once in a while. He grew up, on the farm, um, helping his dad delivering sugar beets, beans, corn um, into the facility. And he remembers all this, you know, even more recently, all this time spent trying to keep track of scale tickets. Yep. And so that was that delivery ticket or scale ticket was the first thing we wanted to solve for. He said, hey, it's pretty ridiculous that you have to drive through and get this paper receipt and then figure out how to get it back to the right organization back on the farm. And then that needs to get entered eventually into, you know, either keeping track of your own, you know, people are doing math on their own contracts. I uh-huh. mean, how many trucks did we send? Well, that was probably, we spent, we sent 10 trucks. So maybe we, you know, sent 10,000 bushels, but we don't know for sure. Yep. And the contract's 11,000, you know, we went over a thousand on the contract. I mean, that stuff was where we started. And so how can we okay. make it easy to see every delivery you're making, every contract that you have with that facility, and then updating that stuff real time, you know, like you should be able to see your contract update today. It uh-huh. shouldn't be next week or in the mail or whatever. And so, so much of, well, not the companies you're working with, but so much of the, the industry is paper. Uh-huh. And we started there. So how can we digitize all the paper processes? And then once we did that, we knew we could sign contracts on the app. Now you can submit offers. So your you know, okay. your dad or your brother could go in and put a you know futures offer in and lock it in um, yep. for the fall if you wanted. Um, and now we're working on making payments available. So instead of You've seen the paper checks on the uh, stacked on the uh-huh. desk. <laughs> yep. So somebody's got to. Have you ever ran them to the bank? Have you ever ran to town with them? I have not. Okay, nope. so somebody's got to run to town. Which how far is your farm from? Uh, town? Seventeen miles. And do you think the bank in town is the one you bank with? Uh, it would be. Yep. Okay, so you got seventeen mile drive just to put money in the bank. Uh-huh. The rest of us get that in a bank account every couple weeks with our paycheck, right? But farmer's paycheck comes in paper check in the mail, has to go to town. So that's something else we're working on is 
there's no reason your dad's got to do a you know 20 mile round trip 40 mile round trip yep. um, to drop a check off so cool cool so maybe one thing how you guys are advancing it seems like you guys are advancing really quickly what could we do as producers to help give you guys feedback that would accurately improve the technology you guys are already using well one of the things that's like a really basic challenge is you i think farmers think they're giving people feedback because they're at the coffee shop and they complain to their friend or their <laughs> whoever yep. or you're yep. out you know you're out a football game and talking to somebody but remember i think you got to remember it and it's partially the it's partially the technology company's fault too but i may not be at the same that same football game that you're at outside of linton uh -huh. right yeah. so we don't i don't think that the industry is getting enough direct feedback from farmers and it, we may talk like we know the farmer really well blah uh -huh. blah blah but the truth is there's a pretty i mean unless you're out there riding around the tractor or sitting in the in the truck and checking things out together it's hard to get the raw real feedback but i bet i would guess i would guess farmers assume that their feedback's gotten there because they get to talk to other people about it but i think yep. like you know john deere corporate probably doesn't hear your dad's complaints directly about why that tractor wasn't or combine wasn't doing his job. Uh -huh. I think if we could figure out a better way to get that feedback directly, um, it'd be awesome. In Bushel's case, we, you know, the customer is actually the co-op okay. or the grain company. Yep. And then the farmer is the end user and it actually has their logo on it. So you don't even necessarily know always that it's us. Yeah, unless it's powered we, by Bushel. Right yeah, exactly. There in the bottom. Powered by Bushel. So okay. we, you know, we you know, that that would help. We build like these user groups, but it's hard to ask for farmers' time above and beyond what they're already doing, right? So that would be something that would help a lot is if we had, if everybody had a little more access to hear what the farmer's, you know, thinking, I'm sure if we had like a Facebook poll, we'd get all kinds of opinions, you know, but uh -huh. that, that, that's probably a gap in my opinion. I still feel like we don't get enough feedback from the farmer. Yeah, no. And I can definitely see it being very helpful. Even if you just send someone in the combine, because that may be when we have time Yeah, and right along, that's where you're going to get the most information. Yeah. That's and where that's you're going to see. the best time anyways. Exactly. Yeah. No the one wants, seat. The seat <laughs> yeah, on the no combine. one wants to get out of the combine. That's a, favorite time of the year so they'll sit around and ride in there talk all your year off yeah but. good point maybe we just all got to get on the field and hang out when you guys are doing that we don't want to be in the way either but uh-huh yeah yeah cool that's fun um any other things you're thinking about top of mind yeah not when are you going back to the farm what's that when are you going back to the farm are you going out this weekend again uh no i, I don't plan it uh don't plan on it anytime soon here i guess i know they are they are getting along pretty well with corn yeah, uh, corn should be you know getting into the bin right yeah, yeah, they got most of it off right now. I think they're getting into the pivots because that was a little bit uh, wetter. The yep. dry land didn't do quite as good, kind of ran out of rain there at the end. But I know the soybeans did all right and haven't started on the sunflowers yet. So cool. we're chugging along pretty well. Cool. Well, anything else you want to share with people listening in to this podcast? That technology, farming, opinions, politics, whatever, <laughs> the war in Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, I don't get too much into that. I know Professor Wilson's always giving us updates on yeah, that. Yeah, he's got so. that covered for sure. <laughs> yeah. We're playing a little commodity challenge game where he tells us kind of what's going on in the market and we're supposed to market some grain. And I'm like, oh boy, that's way over my head. Yeah. I didn't, I'm glad it's not real grain because I'd be losing a lot of money in some cases. <laughs> it's a hard it's a hard challenge these days. So cool. Well, Paul, thanks for joining. Um, and uh, looking forward to more conversations, man. Good to meet yeah, you. appreciate it, Jake. And that will do it for this month's episode of Emerging Grower. We thank Jake and Paul for taking the time out of their day for being on this month's episode. We also want to thank Grand Farm for energizing this podcast, along with all of the Grand Farm partners. To learn more about Grand Farm, you can visit the website, which is www.grandfarm.com. 
You can expect new Emerging Grower episodes to release on the third Thursday of each month on all audio platforms. We hope you all have a great rest of your day.